Hey, Jay-Z, I got a question for you. Yeah. What is the future look like for ERP systems? Well, you know, I think it's all going to be browser cloud-based ERP system. Your data is going to be stored in the cloud. I'm using quote marks. Nobody can see that. Mm -hmm. And people are going to be able to enter those transactions and look at that information from anywhere. I know. And ProShop ERP is great. On Sunday mornings, I grab my pot of coffee. I sit down. I do everything I can right from home using that cloud-based system. So go to ProShopERP.com for more information. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. I'm your host, Jim Carr, and I'm joined by my two co-hosts in the Zenger's Industrial Supply Studio, Jason Zenger and Nick Golner. Guys, good to be here today. You it is good. articulated, I don't know if that's the right word, all of those words so eloquently. He's Thank good. You. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not, I know I'm, you put a lot of concentration into it. Amplification. You know. He's... And you are a voiceover specialist I am a voiceover now. specialist. Yeah. So. yeah, he did that ad yeah. on, on TV. The uh, roles are coming in like crazy, the offers. But anyway. <laughs> Jim's getting out of manufacturing to be a voice <laughs> a actor. A voiceover actor. Jim's going to become a voiceover actor, and I'm going to start my stand-up. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> sure. Oh, that's funny. I'll, that is really I'll, funny. I'll start growing tomatoes for the crowd then. <laughs> I have you guys laughing, so you have to admit. Yes. Okay. You know? But so I, think it, I think it might not work outside of these walls. <laughs> How you doing, bud? Has that, everything going great? Right? Yeah. Good. good. Yeah. You know, I've been meaning to ask you this. How's your dad doing? Tell me about him. I, I miss seeing him he's, around He's Zangers. doing, yeah, I know. Everybody does. And he's he's doing okay. I worry about him because, you know, I'm not planning to retire. And I just get worried. Like, you know, there's this statistic out there that people die within like five years of retiring. And I've been encouraging him to get a job. I even, one of the things that we're trying to do over here at Zangers is we, we want to identify a new warehouse headquarters because our our retail showroom business is just it's it's not part of our future and so we want to move away from here and like I want to maybe Elk Grove maybe Elgin maybe some other place find a new warehouse and office and I, I'm like you know why don't we use this property that you own and put a another business here and he's like eh, I don't know if I want to do that so I don't know he's just mm. so he's done he's out he does yeah, he not pretty he does not come into Zangers anymore he has no responsibilities and no accountability anymore no. I own he's 100% fully, He's fully out. It's yeah, interesting what he said about the five years thing because we have this like joke at our company, you know, Willie doesn't retire and he still works like Willie's six a days beast. a week. I know. He's he's like too intense. And so everyone's from Willie's my idol. Like, <laughs> in some ways. <laughs> like Willie, you know, why don't you retire? He's like, Well, I got a lot of friends who retired and they're all dead. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> That's yes, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so and, Nick, I was gonna ask you, how is Opa doing? He's good. He's eighty eight. I know. We, That's we Nick's to, grandfather in German, by the Willie way. Willie Golner, yeah, the founder. So we had to like get on his case pretty bad because he was climbing a tree with a running chainsaw. And chapping limbs down. Oh my, I know you guys. I, <laughs> didn't your dad was telling either. me about yeah. that. And then my oh uncle my Harold got, was like, what, what the heck are you doing? And he bought him this harness. And then he came over a few months later and it's still in the box. He's oh like, my I'm not going to wear that stupid thing. <laughs> I know. I would have a heart attack if I yeah. saw yeah, that's my 88-year-old grandpa I, I'm trying, or my dad. I'm, I'm trying to identify people that I know and like take characteristics of them and say, that's what I want to work towards. And, you know, yeah, Willie's got some of those that intense, even at 90 years old, I yeah. want to be that. You have the intensity already. But yeah. you have many family members in your business. You've got your dad, your brother, 
your aunt. I have I have two brothers in my generation. Okay. I got my dad and two of my uncles and, and my aunt. Yeah, I knew that. So there's there's four. Any cousins? So yeah, Willie, my dad, his sister, my two uncles. I've got Caleb, who's my cousin. I've got Corey. I've got yeah. Can you summarize this? Because the metalworking nation doesn't need to know all the names. Yeah, you're, you're probably right. But basically, there's a lot of Golners and there's a lot of family dynamics yep. going on. So. And as well for me, I'm second generation. My dad founded Car Machine and Tool. I've been working in the business for multiple decades. And Ryan is our operations manager now. So we've got third generation. And why do I ask? Why do I want to know Don't you want to ask me? Who I have in the business? Well, I talked about your dad. And oh, I'm sorry, your sister. So I own 100% of Zengers. My right. wife owns 100% of Black. Okay. And we have four kids. My sister's also involved in the business, but she's not part of the ownership. She will but be part of the real estate ownership. we're talking about working. Who's working? Yeah, in working the in the business. Yeah, right. my so sister. So your sister. Yep. Exactly. So your dad's out. Your sister's still My sister is, active. Um, she's our project director. Right. Yep. And, and the reason I ask this is because, as you all know, the manufacturing industry has the highest multi-generational family You know, owned. I assume that, but I've never seen the stats. Oh, that's you know? awesome. Yeah. yeah. And it I, is. And I'm not going to call you out on fake news like you like to call no, me out. No, that's, that's he okay. Does, he does I, try to call I you out. I did my homework. I, know. I did my homework. I, know. I, know, I can and get I, it from the same source and he still gets mad at me. But you know, when we were talking about episode ideas a couple weeks ago, I got this great idea one night after drinking a glass of wine. You know, I think it's time that we share some of those big emotional stories with the metalworking... If that's what you want to call it, with the Metalworking Nation, because let me tell you, I know, I'm positive that everyone that listens to the show has the same issues that we three partners have, co-hosts of the show, and you may not have gotten to those points yet in your careers, but if we can equip and inspire you just a little bit and prepare you for when those issues come to fruition... We've done our job. Mm-hmm. We've got you to that point. But before we go to that, because well, Jim, I feel like this is going to be a really long episode. I mean, it could be. I've got forty years. Yeah, I mean, you've probably accumulated the most clothes over the last over your career. So why don't we talk about your baggage in this? Episode? Let's see how it goes. Let's <laughs> see how go. it goes. You may, you may think my career has been boring and my family issues have been boring. Nothing but wrong with boring. Let me tell you, there's, there's always the boring bar. There's a little bit of baggage there. Tell me what's new with ZB this week. What is new at Zengers and Black? Just that same thing. We just hired a new marketing associate, and his name is John Carlos, and he is going to help enrich our product data on our on our website when it comes out. So I'm very excited about that. And Mr. Golner, I'm excited about that too, actually, because I've been working with Jason on his on his whole new We're doing marketing whole rebrand, rebrand and yeah, stuff like that. We're exactly. both Zengers and Black both have strong brands in their marketplace. So what we're doing is we're in, introducing another brand. I know Jim, much to your dismay, that's going to kind of tie everything together. Much like you have like the Chicago Bears and the Green Bay Packers, and they're all under the umbrella of the NFL. We're going to use that same concept because I have growth objectives and I see myself acquiring other companies over the years. And so we're going to have teams within the whole VIP supply. Big uh, visions. Yeah. We're going to talk about these big visions and big growth objectives for the future today too. But as far as me, I, I guess by the time this episode airs, I'll probably be arriving back from Germany and I have like two days until I go to Vegas for the fluid power show. 
I thought so, you were going to say go to Vegas for a bachelor party. I've literally <laughs> never been to Vegas, and people just can't believe it. Ever? Yeah, ever. Not even for a trade show? No. Uh, there was or a, a contact that was there, and for some reason I, I didn't make it to that oh, one. Oh, God. That's one of my but favorite yeah, places. International Fluid Power Expo is in Vegas. and what hotel? I'll be there. At the Expo Center? Yeah. yeah. I don't even know. I don't even remember where yeah. I'm staying. Oh, you'll have a so. lot of fun. It's a great place. Good fun. Yeah. They have good food. That's what I mostly like about they Vegas. They do have good the food. The food is good. Everything's you, good. The shows go are see, good. Go see a show. Like, yeah, go like, see a show. Go see O. Like, is that the one that's in water? Is that the Wizard of Oz thing? No, th- no, there's a Cirque du Soleil where they there's do everything in the water. That's oh, cool. the that's the one to see. Sweet. It's at Bellagio. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. awesome. There's and a lot then, of stuff you don't want to see in Vegas, though. So. I know. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff my wife doesn't want me to see in Vegas. More yeah. yes, there is. Yeah, so. yeah. It's not like that though. Anyway, and for me, we just we just bought two new machines on Friday, so like, I signed on the dotted line. Two Congrats, brand new, for you, two brand new machines. What First kind five of machines? access. First five. We're gonna access. have to re-record that episode that we did about five access because that has changed. Because you, we did a whole episode. This goes back a long, long, long time, time ago. ago. All the reasons why you weren't going into five access mm-hmm. machining, and now we should talk about why you are going well, into five that's access. That's why machining. you have L10 meetings and set rocks. And well, and things change, and things change. And that's kind of what this episode's about, right? How do things change as your business changes through the generation? I'd be like your dad, I don't need those CNC machines. Uh, right, exactly. <laughs> My tape machine works just fine. Yeah, I can crank <laughs> on this all day long. Yeah, yeah. Well, my dad would probably believe me now, but anyway. We're talking Nick. about your dad today, aren't we? We are talking about my dad quite a bit. Do you have any good Sorry, stories dad. about your dad? Yeah. Not, well, I'll, I'll get to them in just a minute, but okay. before we go there, Nick, how does the Metalworking Nation subscribe to our Boring Bar? And what is the Boring Bar? Can you reiterate? So there's a digital boring bar and there's a physical boring bar. Okay. The digital boring bar is the the name we have for our newsletter. Okay. And and what does that when it, when a subscriber yeah so most to newsletters that, really suck. Okay. And why why are we and they're different? very boring. What's our differentiator? Well, we actually have a really well written letter in every single one. So most newsletters are just like pictures of old content that you've probably already heard and and that's it and you're just like Ugh. And this is new fresh curated yeah it, it usually dovetails off of the theme of all the content we produced in the week so the podcast or anything we produced on youtube and well, we um, do a lot of writing for our marketing clients exactly. we have a writer on staff her name's christine she also writes the boring bar and she was actually on an episode so was her husband tony schmitz yeah she's very much she have our our writer happens to be married to a phd in Machining. Yeah, he writes textbooks on machining dynamics. Right. So really intense stuff. Yeah, so we have a, we have our own newsletter. It also sends you the the most recent podcast episode. You know, just just helpful links, things that dovetail off of uh, what you learned in the podcast. Speaking of marketing clients, one of our clients or our prospects, I should say, it'll be a client in about six weeks. They were talking to me as soon as I arrived about how they really liked that article we just wrote on the four industrial revolutions. Yep. So and they found that in the boring bar. That's great. Awesome. Good. What's stuff. the first one? The first one is what it's like is engines, it? right? Yeah, yeah, engines and Ga- uh, no, st- steam, steam power, steam power, power. Okay. steam power is the first one. Oh my God, yeah, do you remember that? And then I think the I second one I is like the assembly line and all of that. That whole revolution that came with that. The third one, I believe, is. Want me to Google it real quick? Yeah, go ahead. There's a really good infographic on it. I think the third one is I um, getting computers involved, where like you know CNC. And then the fourth one is like cyber connected systems where like machines are communicating with other machines and you've got machine learning and artificial intelligence and that's where we're at today. So And robotics are a part of that, right? Yeah. I th- robotics, I think, would be in that, that third category. So yeah. So first one, Jim pulled up the infographic, mechanization, water power, and steam power. So ding, we were right on that one. Second one, mass production, assembly line, and electricity. Oh, like Ford. Yep, mm-hmm. exactly. Big. Ding. That was huge. Third one, computer and automation, so robotics, CNC, CNC, and the fourth one, cyber-physical systems. 
Nice. Wow, I got it. Good job, Nick. So you know what I'm really excited about? Because I want to teach my kids all about the newest trends in manufacturing, like 3D printing and robotics and cobots and stuff like that. Making chips has a new partner in the robotic space, don't we? Yes, we do. Yes, would, let's just, not say who it is. They just yet. signed on we like a couple weeks ago. But we're gonna do anxious a, to promote. We're gonna them. start creating a lot of content related yep. to this space, and it's gonna be interesting. And I'm really looking forward to learning. more. I'm already talking to them about advanced and and this secret partner working together for like machine tending and automatic loading of hydraulic fixtures. So it's cool. exciting. Yeah. So before we move on to our episode of the manufacturing news, Jason, why don't you tell everybody about our big grand opening May 14th. At our new facility, it's going to be sexy as hell. There's going to be celebrity bartenders, Nick and I. You're, you're not a celebrity, but Nick and I. Well, he's, a bartender. The, he's the yeah. celebrity comedian. Yeah, I'm going yeah. to do my stand-up act. But we already have entertainment. We've got Gary the Band coming. They're so opening three... up for me. Oh, they are. You, you didn't hear that. Oh, okay, okay so. good. And, and for good. everyone, Gary the Band is more than one guy named Gary. That's actually yeah. the name of the band. Google, it's three go guys. To YouTube. They They're are awesome. awesome. Yeah. So... Making chips not only is this podcast, but we also have about seven full-time employees who do marketing services for our clients. So we're opening- For marketing companies. For manufacturing companies. I'm sorry. For manufacturing. We are a marketing and media company for manufacturing. We do know who we are. There you go. And we are opening (laughs) up our 4,000 approximately square foot building in Rockford. Our headquarters is going to have a really nice studio. It's going to have our offices for marketing. And we're going to have a party that's going to open up this new headquarters on May 14th. And we're really excited about it. We're going to have a band. We're going to have a stand-up comedian. We're going to have celebrity (laughs) bartenders. And we're also going to have some manufacturing-themed drinks along with beer and wine. And it's going to be just a fun social event for manufacturing leaders with no agenda. We're going to get a hotel block. You just come out, and we're going to have some fun like manufacturers only know how how to do. How many people do you think? Well, we're going to invite about 200, and I think if we get 150 that actually make it, I'll be pumped. Yeah. yeah. So, and all of our pa- all the past guests of Making Chips are going to be invited. Yes. And so if you are a past guest and you didn't get your invite, just call me and I'll... Or if you'd like to engage with one of our past guests in person that night, that would be the time to come because you can come and meet those people that we've interviewed on the show. I know Julie Poulos is coming for sure. I told her about it. Well, she's it, been a regular on the show for multiple episodes. Mike, Mike Payne is flying in from Oklahoma. Right. Tony Schmitz is flying in. So if you want to learn Tony some and Christine high are both, level, yeah, PhD you want to talk level. machine dynamics all night long. And then if you want Tony someone who can be happy to explain it to you in human terms, then Chris, talk to his wife Christine. <laughs> so it's it certainly looks like it's going to be a great time. So we don't want to talk sure. about the other guests that we haven't confirmed yet, but we're going to try well, to get right, as many hours you know, as we can. We're talking about our multi generational family businesses, and if for some reason you want to meet. Our quirky family. I'm sure Jason's wife will be there. Oh, she Some will. of my yes. relatives will be there. I'm sure you're going to bring Ryan, Jim. So I'm going to try, yes. <laughs> my wife I, is actually more of a celebrity than Jim is, though, because she's actually been on TV. Oh, that's I right. I know Jim yeah. always likes to think he's a celebrity, but I'm going to bring my wife. She's the I'm a recording artist. <laughs> a recording artist. <laughs> anyway, I want to get to the manufacturing news because we've got a lot to talk about today. And because we're talking about multi-generational family businesses, I kind of wanted to to know a little bit about how many family manufacturing companies there are in America. Because I had read, and this article, unfortunately, doesn't validate that statistic. But what it does say is there are 344,000 manufacturing companies in America, 
and 98% of these establishments are manufacturers with less than 500 employees. Most of these small and mid-sized manufacturers, the acronym is an SMM, are family-owned. In terms of numbers of manufacturing companies, it is fair to say we are a nation of predominantly small and family-owned manufacturing businesses. That sounds right. Does mm-hmm. it sound yeah. right? And you know, I think that's why we're so successful here in the United States with manufacturing because we have the grit and determination that only like a family can bring to a business and that just that determination to take care of customers and to produce output and to get the job done. Mm-hmm. Well, another thing that was really, you know, I had an aha moment when I read this article because it kind of pertained to my sales manager, John. I just... I found some things that he can use to sell our company going forward. And it says family-owned companies also can offer their customers, bullet one, uncommon integrity and commitment. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that, guys? Mm -hmm. Speed and flexibility in getting things done. Yep. And that's pretty much what I was referring to. Yeah, you don't have to jump through as much red tape. Right. We all know the big companies... To process an order takes them a week, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Oh, if you're lucky. If you're lucky. Communication directly with the owners. Are all your customers available to speak directly with the owner? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A personal touch to quality and service. Would you validate that? Mm -hmm. I certainly would. A willingness to customize and offer innovative products and service. So, Jason, I know what you do often is you're constantly customizing the way you service Mm -hmm. your customers. Absolutely. And we we do as well. And it's a little different than what some of the other bigger companies might do. Yeah, I mean, that kind of reminds me. So, like, our role as being, like, a distributor, all of our customers, like you, Jim— want to be communicated with, interacted with, serviced in a different way. And then all the manufacturers that we represent want to be partnered with in a different way. And that's where our value comes in is that we kind of bring all that together. Because if you had to interact with our manufacturer partners directly, you probably wouldn't like it. So that's where we come in and mm. we we bring that service You together. bridge the gap. We bridge the gap. There's a German word for this small to cool. medium-sized manufacturer. Nick's going to start talking it's in German. Mittelstand. So it's, what does that uh, mean? It, it means what you just described. These smaller, a lot of them are mostly family owned, you know, 10 to 50, 100 employees. And it, and it's a big part of the German economy. And, and, and it's, it's something that's a little bit bigger than Is that just well business. known? Like when you go to Germany and you say that yeah, word, if you, if you, if you Google search completely... the word Mittel, M I T T E L S T A N D, if you Google search that word, you'll find all sorts of articles about what that means to the German economy. In the it, German language, they have a lot of like descriptive words that mean like this one word means like all the, like yeah. so many things. And it means everything we just described, right? So yeah. like you've got family values that pass from generation to generation, the craftsmanship passes on you know my father did business with his father and my sons will do business with his sons and daughters mm-hmm. that's kind of what it's like Interesting. yeah so there was in addition to this article talking about family businesses and kind of relating to what we're going to talk about in the episode i said it kind of relates to my sales manager john but it also i found this interesting that it relates to my son ryan as we start the business succession process because we were just talking about it just yesterday when we were flying back from Dallas and this article goes ahead and it says, okay, there's three types of manufacturing companies. It says when discussing any kind of manufacturing company, it is important to point out that the fact that those in the U S 
are not homogenous groups. They are at least four distinct groups. Most type 1 and type 2 manufacturers are family-owned businesses, as are many of the type 3 companies. A type 1 manufacturer might be just a few people managing a small shop with very little operating capital and a day-to-day fear of generating enough cash flow to keep the doors open. We all can relate to that, right? Oh, yeah. Jason, you deal with these type of people. Nick, you deal with these type yeah. of people. Yeah. We were that type of person, you know, two generations ago. Right. Type 2 manufacturer is a family-owned business with 50 employees, known customers, decent cash flow. Type 2s, however, are generally very good technically, but lack the systems and staff to grow into a type 3. A type 3 manufacturer are midsize from 100 to 500 employees that are usually managed by a professional staff and well-developed systems. Type 3s are so different in their knowledge and resources that one solution does not fit all three. Hence, suggested solutions are strategies need to be tailored to the type of SMM. So Mm. I thought this was really good for Ryan, my son, to know about. Then there's a whole paragraph about delegating, about how family-owned type 2 manufacturing companies have five unique problems. I would say we're probably a type 2, maybe we're a one and a half. But delegating, again, we talked about delegating. It's something that comes up. You're not very good at it. I'm not very good at it. I'm getting better. Your real initiative now is to delegate enough responsibility and authority to your son, right? So that he can move you from a type 2 to a type 3, right? right? That's the idea. Yeah, a solid type 2. And then he, on the other hand, was telling me yesterday, he goes, oh, you know, I really got to give away some of this programming to the guys in the shop because, it, you know, but I really don't want to do it, Dad, because I really want to be in control the way that job is programmed. And I'm like, yeah, but if you don't give away that, you're never going to grow. Mm-hmm. I said, if we're going to grow into the, the vision that we have, we need to let go. And letting go, as it says in this article, is really hard for a lot of companies. Let it go. Let it go. Let, let it, go. it go. And I hate that movie. I've never even seen it, quite frankly. My daughter's crying right now, Jeff. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just not, my, was my singing that beautiful? Actually, she was like crying about what Jim said. And, and then, then cried she's like bawling she because of because Jason singing. singing. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. Anyway, I thought that was a great article related to what we're going to talk about. And it's no secret that the three of us come from three generations. Mm-hmm. Nick is a solid boomer. Jason's a generation X. No, no, you're the boomer. I'm the. I'm sorry, you're the millennial. millennial. Yeah, there you go. Time. Yeah, Nick's a millennial. Yeah, I'm at the tail end of generation X. I'm almost almost millennial, and you're a solid, solid baby boomer. boomer. Yeah, yeah. So there's there's no secret about there's that. There's not that many in my generation. That's what you said. My before. generation is very small we, we from a, from a manufacturing standpoint. Yeah, Good and job. it's no secret that we're all connected to the manufacturing industry, but. I don't think that a lot of the metalworking nation knows that we all, well, they, they know now because they, they listen to this episode, but we all live and work and breathe in multi-generational businesses. So I thought it would be great if we could share some stories with our audience about some hard issues related to growing up in this crazy family business. Yeah, There's, I think this is going to take multiple episodes. Yeah, oh, so yeah. many manufacturing companies are set up like ours out there. I'm confident that we can equip and inspire you. So since I'm older and a little wiser, or the older You're and definitely wiser old. member of Making Ships. I thought Oldest. I'd start out, and we'll see how it goes. Let's start this with a boom. With or... a boom. 
so when when I was preparing for this episode, I thought, okay, so I'm going to take the the 40 years of work experience I have in manufacturing, and I'm just going to break it down by decade. And then I did the decades in my head, and I pulled and truncated major things that happened in that particular decade. I'm a little concerned because you're not very good at math. I'm better than you think I am. That was one of my better subjects. I guess we should be concerned about everything then. Yeah, maybe. (laughs) So what I did is I broke it down to the 80s, the 90s, the new century, the 2000s, and 2010. Fair enough? Yeah, let's do it. Good. Let's try. So in the 80s, so I started in the the family business in the 80s. So just to be clear, we're we're, going to talk about you the whole time, right? Well, we're going to see how it goes. If we're lucky. And I want you guys to ask and rebut what I'm saying, and and so I can share. That did not happen in the 80s. That did not happen in the 80s. When I was negative seven. <laughs> oh, really? Were you negative? I was born in 87. Yeah. Oh, God. So early 1980s, I'm starting in the family business. And you know what I was concerned about? Nepotism. Because mm. I was pushed into this business mm-hmm. right on the shop floor, didn't know anything about manufacturing. Here's all these machinists, these older guys. You really just wanted to I, smoke I, and sling I, drinks, right? Well, they were all smoking cigarettes in the shop. Swearing, I got an education in sex immediately, and word, that's how I learned how to swear from the shop. Oh, yeah. When I think about the 80s and me starting out in manufacturing, that's what I think about the most. Sounds very unprofessional. It was unprofessional. It was like the Wild West of manufacturing. It was pretty crazy. Well, you said, so you said you were concerned about nepotism. And I was. Usually when I think about nepotism, the, the image in my Unfairness. mind is, yeah, some punk kid who hasn't put, paid his dues, you know, his father yep. runs the company, yep. and he's like, here, now you're the president, or you're the vice president, or something like that. Like on Horrible Bosses. <laughs> right, exactly. That guy is, is nepotism. So when I think about what everything you've said about your father... I don't see that he was probably like, okay, Jim, you know, you're you're the top dog now, even though no, he wasn't, he wasn't. But I was concerned that I was getting preferential treatment just because I was the owner's son. That's good. So what I did is I made sure I had to prove myself. Yeah, you worked extra hard. I worked extra freaking hard. That's how I've always been too. I mean, and this goes back to even before I started in the business. I I worked hard because of that, but I remember I always worked hard just because I grew up in maybe like a lower middle class area and my parents were probably, they were business owners. They were probably more well off than, than most of my friends. And most of my friends always accused me of, having an advantage because my parents did well for themselves comparatively. And that always drove me to work harder. Because right. I was always trying to, you know, like, well, prove myself. There's an objective way to measure this and, you know, I'm going to prove you wrong. Right. So when I think about the 80s and, you know, that was a long time ago, but the, these are the things that stick out. And then again, because I was so fresh and green, it was finding my role at CAR. What does this really mean? What is this career path look like? How am I going to find my passion in this family business? Where am I going to have my unique gains? Yeah, and then, I, I can feel that. Because yes. Because I, I was a fine artist. Right. Exactly. I was, not, exactly. I was like the furthest thing I mean, from an engineer. I, I don't know if manufacturing would have been my first choice sure. if I had the, I did have well, the you, option. You've talked about that before. Like, what would you have done if you didn't go into manufacturing? A lot of other things. Maybe marketing. Yeah. I, I do right. I do have a passion for marketing. I'm in manufacturing. I'm not going to change now after yeah. all these years. I would have been a stand-up comedian. Yeah, you would have been, Jason. <laughs> and then, uh, of course- A very I, famous one. You know, maybe. I was trying to understand the business and really dig in and then just going through my machinist apprenticeship program nights and and learning and understanding- 
all on manual equipment. And then the other really big thing about the 80s that was not pleasant for me being in the family business is my parents got divorced. Mm. And it was not a pretty divorce. And I'd have to come to work every day. And I'd have to hear my dad talk about my mom. What a bad person she is. And then I saw all this backwards stuff happening and it wasn't good. I just want- What's the backwards stuff? Uh, stuff that I shouldn't been have been hearing or seeing, like money transferring. Oh, and, oh, yeah, yeah. I hope your mom that, doesn't listen to this episode. No, both my parents are not well enough to even put an earbud in their ear right now, or even understand what it means. So, when you were going through all of that, did you find like an escape in just working with your hands and just making, making those chips. parts? You know, just were you able to kind of like laser focus on that and cloud out the noise? Or well, I found people that I could talk to that I could let go of those issues. Yeah. It it was bad. When I think about that now, that really was not a pleasant time in my career being in the family business, having to live I lived their divorce and I was thrown into yeah. it because I if I would have been working downtown Chicago at a marketing company, I would not have been exposed to this you know, it's interesting Stuff. you say that you, you found people that you could talk to about it and it helped right. you. Because like when I went through some tough times a few years ago, just with like being totally burned out, and my, my parents actually split up too, I was like just wanting to go back to the shop where I could just make parts. You right. know, where I could just kind of like, you know, when you're in marketing and sales, you have to talk to people all the time and you kind of have to put on this face that no one wants to be around people who aren't feeling good. So, you know, you got to put on this face that isn't really authentic to how you're right. feeling. And I'm like, I just want to make way covers again at Hennig. You know, yeah, that, I know. That's kind of how I was thinking. So this too shall pass, and it did, right. and that's okay. And you know, it's all about perseverance, and you just got to push through because if if you keep pushing and get through it, I guarantee any of those bad times, everything always changes. Mm-hmm. Everything always changes, and I certainly have the experience know that it does. That's the truncated version of ten years of the eighties. The nineties was Nick was born. I was three. Oh, 93? Well, I was born in 87, so when the 90s hit, I was three. Oh, okay. So here we are. We're in the 90s now. And what I remember distinctly is the the full and final transitions from manual equipment into CNC equipment. And that was not my dad tasked that responsibility and accountability on me. So think about it. Here's a family-owned business. I'm worried about nepotism. My dad tasks me with the responsibility to bring in, pull in CNC equipment. So here I am out at the machine against, here's the one CNC machine in the shop, and here's all these other guys running bridge ports and lays, and I'm trying to show them up. It was like your job to get to that next revolution that we just talked about, right? Exactly. To get to that computer numerical control. So Was that the Fidals that you just sold It was. Not that one, but the last of our Fidels just got sold wow. yesterday. So I w- could not go out in the shop and program any machine anymore after that. I could still do a, a Fidel, but... And then two was, this was this was a bad thing too. It's always the personal stuff. So, you know, my parents were divorced and my dad had a, a girlfriend that he had been with for quite a long time and they were talking about getting married. What do you know? So all I thought in my head was... Mm. Hmm. I'm going to be reporting working, to her one day. I'm working my ass off at I'm not this calling business. her mom. I'm working hard at trying to build this business up. And what if he marries her? Right. What Ouch. if he marries her? 
I got a big problem here. So he told me, I remember distinct conversations I had with my dad in the office. And he's like, you know, I want you to be the best man at my wedding. And I'm like, I'm cringing in my chair at the office. I'm like, oh my God, this can't happen. I'm like, dad, I'm sorry, man. I I can't support this. Can you imagine telling your dad, I don't think you should, just like the father telling the son or the parent telling the child, I can't support your marriage. I'm telling my dad, I don't support the marriage to this woman that he's been dating for quite a while, right? Well, I know my dad and I had this a conversation where we're talking about succession planning and you know, we're kind of going through steps and he first of all, my parents are like two of those madly in love people. Never say never. Married. Never say never. No, it's never it it will never happen. But, okay. But like they're the two of the most madly in love people like that I know and they almost like they're kind of annoyingly like don't even want to be separated from each other physically which gets kind of annoying when I want my mom to watch my kids but anyway so but my dad told me one day he was like if I die and I get remarried don't worry I'm going to set this up so that you don't have to worry about if your mom wants to get remarried someday and because I pass away we're going to make sure that there's no conflicts as far Mm -hmm. as that goes so my dad was able to have that foresight and say this isn't going to be a problem in that case. I mean, I get it. So how did that go? So you you had to have that, a similar conversation with your dad. Like, well, what happens if you get married? Well, in the simplest of terms, he marries her. He dies day one. All his assets go to her. And then if she dies a week later, where do her assets go? Her kids. Her kids, right? Ouch. I drew a diagram. Visual people, right? Machinists are very visual. I drew a diagram. And when I did that, it all made sense to my dad. And and that's what I did. Because and he never married her, right? He never married her. Never married mm-hmm. her. Wow. I'm just I'm a, I'm a, I'm a happier person for that. Uh, that's all I'm going to say. I don't want to get into the thing. Anyway, into the '90s. I thought we were digging up the dirt, Jim. Uh, that's dirt, an, that's enough dirt for right now. We don't want to dig that deep. Yeah, uh, we don't want to go that deep. Okay. But I'm you know I'm sure the metalworking nation knows has been through this before, and I just want you to know that it's so relatable, and that there's other people that have gone through this too. Well, and I think that the the lesson that can be drawn out of this is that. You need to have foresight. You need to think through the scenarios and you need to speak up. You need to you speak need up. You need to be courageous enough to speak up and say, and, and you need to speak up in a way that you're not attacking the person. Right. You're just saying, I am concerned that this scenario might happen. And you're not even attacking your, your dad's girlfriend at that point. No. Because it wouldn't be her yeah, fault. Yeah, the diagram no. was a good way to make it really right. objective. Right. Yeah. So Yeah, this could happen, and I'm concerned about this, and this isn't right. right. And you made it very clear in, in a way that was easy to understand. What were you doing in the 90s, Jason? I was in high school and college. When did you first start here? I was not thinking about manufacturing at all during the 90s. So like I studied engineering at at Washington University in St. Louis and I was planning on being a chemical engineer and then I realized I didn't want to be a chemical engineer after I did an internship and I was interviewing with like business consulting firms and I was also interviewing with McMaster Carr who's now one of our competitors. I still didn't know what my dad did and that was when my uncle decided he wanted to retire, my dad's partner and my dad called me up at college and he was like, hey, what do you think about coming in the family business? And I was like, oh, okay. I never even knew what he did. So So you got that first call somewhere in the 90s probably. Somewhere in the, yeah, 1997. There you go. Yeah. Cool. Cool. So towards the end of the 90s, there was was a pretty distinct recession Mm -hmm. leading up to Y2K. Do you remember Mm -hmm. what that was? 
I remember that everyone thought that like we were going to lose computers power. Were gonna All stop. the computers were going to die. So I was at a New Year's Eve party, and the the father of, oh, no. of my friend went and like, cut the power, you know, right? Because <laughs> he didn't like, want his computer to. Everyone thought the comp- people actually no, he did thought it as their... a joke to, to scare everyone who was at the party. So he went and like cut the main power to the house, right? Oh, <laughs> Happy New Year! <laughs> That's cut. good. And he shut it down. <laughs> That was a big deal. Yeah. That was a big deal. People yeah. were spending we upgrade, thousands We upgraded our computer system, our ERP system. We upgraded it. I think right we spent that. like 20 grand yeah. to upgrade our, so it wouldn't blow up on January 1st, 20, mm-hmm. 2000. So then right after that, I remember the early 2000s, business started taking off again. Guess what? The computers didn't blow up. Look at everything's doing good. So we started to really rebound, and we started to, to ride a high. It was a, a bull market from then on. And then at that point, I knew I started to really have to start working on my business succession plan. So I was probably in my early 30s when I really got serious about talking to my dad. You weren't in your 30s in the 2000s? Yes, I was. I'm sorry. No, in the 90s. Trying to make himself younger, and you just ruined it. That was was actually fake news, Jim. Yeah, that was really fake news. news. Now Jason's calling you out. No, I'm not going to lie. (laughs) Or cry. I'm not going to cry. Well, it's cry-worthy, let me tell you, when you think about it. But anyway, the 2000s, I really decided I needed to dig into this business succession plan because I'm in by 20 years now, and I need to have some something at the end of this journey. So I finally got my dad, you know, we went out, everyone knows how to talk to their dad, how to talk to their mother, how to talk to their brother, their sister. They know when the right timing is. My dad was always good for, oh, dad, let's go out after work. Let's get dinner and have a martini and calm down. And that's when my dad and I had our most successful business conversations was over a martini. And he was out of that manufacturing environment and we were able to break it down and finally i took over as president and sole owner in 2004 Mm. and then right after that we had record sales and then right after that the great recession came in 2008 and also 9-11 was during that period of 9-11 but as far as the family business in my well, mind, it, ca- it caused a downturn it, in the economy. Well, what happened with 9/11 is the stock market plunged like there was, like like it's doing Everything the last couple of days. Everything literally. I mean, it was bad, and then 9/11 happened, and it got really bad. Right, because it was the first time we had been attacked. It was recently on our own. Soil. It was really bad. It was really bad. Just going reflecting on the 2000s, it was you know planning that business succession, getting my dad to really. Well, we needed to hire an attorney. You know, we've done many episodes on business succession planning and then taking, finally taking over as president and then moving into record sales and then boom, everything dropped like 60%. So you have siblings. How did you wrestle control of the business and 100% ownership despite the fact that you have uh, I bought my sister out. My sister had a certain percentage. So when my parents got divorced, my mom had to relinquish her shares of the business in some capacity. I don't know. It's been a long time. Per the decree, yeah. Per the decree. So my dad owned a significant shares of the business. I owned, my sister and I owned a smaller minority shares of the business. So once the business got valued, we could come up with the number for mine and my sister's shares. So I had to, I literally paid her out over time. 
So she was out. She never expressed any interest? No, not at all. She was like in banking. She was a bank teller. So then the 2010s up to current time, that's when I realized was my big commitment to networking. I, I really, I said, you know, I'm never going to, because the recession had such a, an emotional effect on me. We've talked about it on the show many times. It was just, it was the most horrible, gut-wrenching times not knowing when I'm going to give those guys. I had no work. We had literally no work queued up to give five guys in the shop. So one by one, I'm sorry, I'm going to have to lay you off. The next guy, maybe a day or two later after they finish, I'm, I'm really sorry. And you know what? It wasn't that bad because they knew. They were watching the news at night. They knew how bad it really was. They could so see. So they didn't hold it against you. They didn't. Yeah. They didn't. It was actually, it was better than I thought it was going to be, but because I wear my emotions on my sleeve, it was killing me. It well, was, that's never a pleasant it's thing never a pleasant to deal thing. with. And, no. You know, I think that if we've all been around for decades, which we all have at least one decade at this point. I don't know how many decades you got, Nick. Two. Two decades. Okay. So, I mean, we've all been. I'm barely in my second. We, I mean, you. we've all been through that. I don't know if you've ever had to yeah, yeah, lay yeah, people yeah. off, Nick, but like, it's not fun. Like you said, it's Jim. Not it's fun. it's, it's no, gut-wrenching. Even when the person is being fired for cause, it's still not fun. It's not fun. You know? It's not fun. Even when you know it's the right decision, it's, it's still not fun. It's it's the icky part of running a business. It is. It, it is. really is. But it, sometimes it has to be done. It has to be done. Yeah. I mean, you can't have your cake and eat it too. You got to take the good and the bad with owning your business. That's why capitalism is so empowering in this country, right? But if you want to be successful, you have to take the good and bad parts about running a business. Jim, I have to talk to you about something. What's that? We're going to have to let you go for making chips. Oh, good. I Believe me, I, just, I'm not going to cry. After Jason's jokes, we just have no listeners. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and so I know you understand. Fine. I know. <laughs> believe me, the loss of salary won't hurt. Um, anyway, 2010. Again, I said, I'm never going through this recession again. I started, I, I made a commitment in my head. I distinctly remember this. I said, I'm going to start networking. I'm going to start getting to know my industry peers. I want to give back to our industry by volunteering. I signed up. I was on multiple board of directors. And of course, I serviced the TMA for seven years on their board of directors. And I was in the TMA board chairmanship from 2016 to 2017. And, and you started a podcast. I started a podcast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, you're that for, was you're that was part of the networking. So yeah. Jason reached out to me. I and mean, that was one of the most pivotal things that happened in your career. Was one, me. one yeah. of the, <laughs> one of the most pivotal. I, I won't. I won't deny that it was a pivotal change. But remember, so in the 2010s, I owned the business. I needed to change, and I thought, hmm, networking. I've I've never done that before. I'm going to give back. I'm going to know people. I'm going to. I'm going to take Jason's request to go out and have lunch with him at Jameson's. And he just talked my ears right off to the floor. And I did that quite often. And it was impactful to me in my own personal growth in the family business. On to 2020 and beyond, my son Ryan, of course, is in the business. We're practicing EOS. It's been really powerful and empowering, quite frankly, for me and my entire team, we share a lot of well, data. You, you have to vision, share a vision. Vision, right? data. Never would I have a thought that I'd be sharing sales and profits and with the entire team. And hiring a sales manager was really different for me and was a risk because I didn't know how to do it. 
but I did, and it's it's great. So and John's doing good for you. He's stressing you out though. A little because because no. he, he's driving all this uh, opportunity. I know. I always say it all the time that the millennials are just driving me to my deathbed. Okay, so you're. So that's can, it. Can, so I, the, can I say it? You're you're 60 now. I you am. Just, you just yeah. celebrated a, a very pivotal birthday. I did. What does the future look like? So, like, I've already shared that I am not. I, I kind of agree with John Piper's seashell analogy that I don't want to spend my latter years collecting seashells on the beach. Do you plan on retiring? Is that is that yes. in your future? I mean, what does that look like, and when is it going to happen? And how, so, you know, the number are you going to get that done? This is really it's really funny. It's a presidential election year, right? So I'm looking at all the Democrats that are pitching themselves to run for presidency, right? And I'm looking at them, and I'm like, 78 years old, 73 years old, 75 years old. Well, and Trump's up there too as a 73 Republican, 73 or 74, yeah. and I'm thinking, oh my. God, why in the world would these people that are in that age group want to run for the president? They really must have a passion for this country or a passion for themselves, for power, a passion for power. It's probably, yeah, it's probably both. There's no way I want to be working like that at that age. So do you see it like slowly tapering off and you always having some sort of consultant role or part-time role? Are you asking if if it's going to be a slow death? (laughs) (laughs) Well, not that. No, I'm saying, are you going to, you know, like, okay, I retired and now tomorrow you're like, what do I do? Or, you know, a lot of my uncles, they're talking about this kind of now too. Well, look at Willie. He's 88. Well, they're, they are like, I'm not doing that. But they're like, but I also don't want to go to like zero, right? So like 100% work to zero work. So they're like, you know, maybe I could work part time. Right. My my dad started tapering off. So what my dad did is during the summertime, he was three days a week. So every Monday and Friday, sometimes it changed depending on the weather. He would only come in the office three days a week. And it was nice having him around then. And then then he was like off the whole summer. And then he was off the whole winter. And so he had us, and he was only here in the fall and the spring. And and so he had a slow taper down for the most part. And then where you're just like, okay, you can't come in anymore because no one knows when you're going to be here. (laughs) I did start to have some conversations with him and you probably dealt with this too, Jim, with your dad where we would make changes and we would have these new initiatives and I would I would kind of tell my dad, I was like, you can't just come back after three months and start kicking up dust. I mean, right. like, we made this change for a reason and can't come in and go back in the other direction. Sure. So, and he understood. It just, it took years of those having but those repeated conversations. how could you not Steve around with that big smile? He, I know, he is such a pleasant guy to have yeah. around. He, yeah, he, he, it was nice having him. So, no doubt so about yes, it. So, yes, to answer your question, taper off, but, just in the last few days, the number where I'm going to start has moved out a little bit. And I don't know what that number is. All I know is I've added a few years on based on how I interpreted these presidential nominees because I figured, my God, they're still going strong. Do I really want to stop? So you were inspired at 65. By it. I was inspired well, by so, it. So, Jim, you pr- appreciate my advice, right? And, of course okay. I do. I have, I have some debatable. <laughs> I have some thoughts for you. Okay, so I think, I see your future. You could, once you get comfortable with delegating everything you need to delegate, which is going to take a long time, you're, you're going to have to plan that out over a series of years. We can bring you on as a straight commission salesperson for making chips, selling marketing services. Mm. I voice think you, actor? I think we, you could do voiceovers. <laughs> yes. I, you could still could continue to host making chips. I think you'd be really good at those things. And it would also keep you busy, keep you active, keep your brain going. And you wouldn't have to retire. And I think you would be passionate about it too. Yeah. I, How does I, that sound? You could finally well, have that marketing I'll, job. I'll keep that in the back of my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Thank okay. you. I'll, thank I'll drop you. a contract. Is, it, is that an offer? Yeah. <laughs> 
Good. <laughs> we'll give you an official so, job offer soon. So that's it. We just we just ran through forty years of family business. Your life stuff. just flashed before yeah, my eyes. I know. I hope I don't die on the way to Naperville this afternoon. Well, um, if you do, we we've just gone shared, through your entire yeah, life. Shared so, the life with. We don't the, even need yeah. a eulogy. We'll just play the episode. Yeah. <laughs> So obviously we don't oh, have I'm time. A, I'm giving a eulogy, and it's going to be funny. <laughs> okay, of course it is. Obviously, this episode's gone a little longer. There's n- really no time, so I think what we're going to do is let's turn this into a series. Yeah. So oh yeah, for sure. The next person will probably be Jason or yeah. Nick. Mine can be a short episode. I'm well, a little younger. I don't have so many decades. Yeah. I hope you guys enjoyed this. I hope I was able to share some of my life experiences with you that you've felt in your career paths in the family-owned business and uh, make it a little bit more relatable to you that you know that we're all going through this together so um, you know you know whose story i, I also want to hear that's been who's been making chips for longer than anybody i want to hear willie's story sometime yeah oh god that would be the awesome. only thing is uh, you know i understand him he speaks english fine but it's definitely very a very strong accent yeah. that's okay so so at the end of the day if you're not making chips you're not making money bam Hey, Jason, I am super excited about being part of the AMT's MFG meeting panel discussion. Man, we're going to be in Fort Lauderdale, Florida on Friday, April 3rd, part of a marketing through influence panel discussion. It's great. You know, there's so many other good things about the MFG meeting. I'm just going to call Pat McGibbon, our friend at AMT. He's part of the MFG meeting. It sounds awesome. I'm going to give him a quick call. Hello, Pat McGibbon speaking. Pat, good morning. It's Jim Carr from Making Chips. How are you today, man? <laughs> hey, how are you doing? Doing good. great. Hey, it's, it's great to hear your voice again. I know we've had quite a relationship over the last few years with AMT, and Jason and I were just talking about the MFG meeting coming up April 1st through April 4th at the Marriott Harbor Resort in Fort Lauderdale, and you know we're going to be part of that panel discussion talking about marketing through influence. Of course, that's a, a perfect topic for us, Jim and Jason, because we'd like to tell your audience about our journey from being manufacturing people through into this marketing influencers. But there's so much more to the MFG meeting, and that's why I thought I'd just bug you and call you real quick, and maybe you can tell the Metalworking Nation a little bit about what's happening that week. It's going to be a great week. Uh, The typical theme of an MFG meeting is uh, learning and takeaways, but uh, there's going to be a lot more to it than, than that this year. I mean, one of the things... Capstone event Saturday night. We're honoring two huge icons in this industry: Ryan Pathke, who uh, just sat down as the CEO of uh, Mazak. Yeah, I've met, I've met him personally. He's great, super intelligent man. And then on the other side of the coin, uh, Lee Morris, who's created one of the largest distributorships in the nation. Quite literally, t- took a company that was around 25 employees when he took it over in the 60s, early 70s, and it's now on over 800 person organization distributors ranging from um, New England to Florida and over to the Mississippi. So it's uh, two amazing guys who've done an amazing growth in our industry and helped this association and helped this industry, not just with their own companies, but promoting it locally, nationally, and globally 
great representatives for our industry. Yeah. What about some like ROI? Like think about Jim Carr, the, the president and owner of a, a small manufacturing company out there. When I go, what kind of ROI can I bring back to my business to really, to really hit it home? Exactly. Because that's the key part is the takeaways and things that they were going to put on your radar screen. On the takeaway side, you just mentioned you guys are participating in a panel on the influencers as a growing tool in marketing programs for companies of all sizes, whether you're the size of a, a Sandvik or Kinemetal to whether you're a $10 million job shop, influencers help move your products and your name around to hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people. We've got you and then we've got Titan and one of his customers from Kinemetal. Nice. Help talk about how it works. So it's going to be a, a great time. On top of that, we're going to have a guy named Bob Martin there. And Bob is going to be talking about cybersecurity. And so many times when you hear a cybersecurity speaker, he's talking about saving the world, keeping the bad guys out of the country. Bob's not going to go there. He may have a couple of great stories because he's been involved in some amazing things. But he's going to be sharing stories, uh, not just how to protect uh, a large company from being hacked and IPB stolen. He's going to go all the way down into dealing with some of the, the lesser heard of because they tend to be smaller heists, if you want to use the right Right. Word. I mean, that's really... You don't know how often I hear from my peers that this is a, a real and relatable issue that we're all concerned about. The entire country, the entire world is worried about the coronavirus right now. But you know what? At the end of the day, the small businesses are really concerned about being infected with malware and ransomware and shutting exactly. down our businesses. So what is Bob going to talk about? Well, he's going to be talking about just those things. Not only what you need to do to protect you from the greater evil, but also how to take care of your almost local and sometimes semi-local hackers that are out there not to get millions of dollars, but to get tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars from smaller companies because they're so vulnerable. Did you say hundreds of thousands of dollars? Yes, hundreds of thousands. Wow. We, we've talked to some experts about this recently and, and helping to uh, members understand what's going on. And one person said something I thought was really poignant, and that is, it is so much easier to go after somebody who puts their passwords in their drawer and uses the family names and has a small business that you can ruin if they can't get their, their data and their customers, as opposed to going after a target or a large insurance company who has spent millions to protect their, their systems. And the person said, bottom line, it's so much easier to make a million dollars going after 100000 at a time and it is trying to get a million dollars off of one big takeaway. So Bob's going to be talking about that as well as how you protect your machines on the floor and protect your IP. What day and time is Bob speaking? Do you know? Yeah, Bob is on Friday. I don't remember exactly. I think he's the, I think he closes Friday out for us. So besides the takeaways with respect to Bob and your panel, the other big set of takeaways are from our roundtables on Thursday afternoon, where we talk. Uh, we have one person who's going to be leading the roundtable on developing new sales channels. One's going to be talking about managing risk. That's actually mine. And then someone who's going to be talking about lead generation. All things where you'll get ideas and suggestions and takeaways you can take right back to your shop and put into place immediately to have a massive impact on your business. And let's talk about the location. The Marriott 
Harbor Beach Resort right on the beach in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Sounds great to me. I'll be needing that around April 3rd for sure after a cold winter here in Chicago. But, you know, the other thing, too, is the proximity of the Fort Lauderdale Airport. It's just a quick 15-minute commute, right? From based on what I've seen, you fly into Fort Lauderdale, you hop in an Uber, and boom, you're at the, the resort in 15 minutes. Everything is going to be on property, right? Right. Everything's on property, except for the golf on Friday. Everything's on property. Sounds fantastic. So much more to check out. What I'd like to do is just tell the Metalworking Nation, go to themfgmeeting.com. There's a full agenda with the speakers, travel instructions, how to register for your hotel rooms. There's a $100 discount for the second person. So if you want to bring your CFO, your COO, AMT is offering a discount for that. So go to the mfgmeeting.com. Register now. Come and see Jim and Jason. Come and listen to Pat. Come and listen to Bob talk about cybersecurity. Man, I got to tell you, Pat, I, for one, am really looking forward to coming down and, and get some sunshine at the same time. I can't wait to see you guys. Yeah, sounds really good. Hey, thanks for taking my call today, Pat, and I'll see you in a couple weeks. As always, thank you for listening to the Making Chips podcast. You need to increase the speed and feet of your business. If you're not elevating your manufacturing leadership, you're going to get left behind. The Metalworking Nation is committed to a new way to stay ahead of the competition. We have more content to help you make and elevate at makingchips.com. Gain access to exclusive content, as well as videos, blogs, show notes, and more resources designed to equip and inspire you. We'll see you next time. I word extra freaking hard on the Well, you know, that's the way that I've always been... Go ahead, say it, say, it, say it again. <laughs> okay. That's how I've always been, too. I mean, and this goes back.